Welcome to Sports Center. I'm Dan Patrick. Plenty of good stuff to get to on the program tonight. But first, our top story of the day. Sega Sports, the authority in sports video gaming, has drafted ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, as a key player to boost its critically acclaimed Sega Sports franchises to a higher level in order to score with gamers. Let's have a look, shall we? First to the NFL and the Patriots. The Cinderella story of last year took everyone by surprise. They will have the bullseye on them this year. Oh, check out these boots. Oh, that's got to hurt. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Francisco. Joined once again by my good buddies Andrew and Charles here for Sports Goose episode 61. We're, we're getting there. We're getting high up in there. So, uh, what's up, guys? Not much. How are you? Yeah, man. Yeah, I was just telling you guys about how awful, well, not awful, just incredibly lazy my day was yesterday. Just uh, complete, like... Like, it was one of my, I guess, uh, uh, YouTuber that I, do, I watch, Brent Daniel, he calls it his trash day, where he just, he just wants to feel like an other piece of garbage. Just, you know, I, you don't shower, you, you don't go outside. I mean, I went outside, but very briefly. You don't go outside, you just kind of wallow in your filth for, for like a day. <laughs> and then you snap out of it, and it's like, oh, I got I to gotta get out of this and take a shower and clean up your room and, and just become a functioning member of society again, but... That's what I did yesterday. Uh, that, but uh, how are you? How are you guys? I'm surviving. I mean, I like I was telling you beforehand. Uh, I had court today, and mm-hmm. you know we're trying to figure out the the video conferencing. So <laughs> there's always that concern of trust when, and I think everybody feels this, whether it's in the real world, the video world where we're gaming if we're not the control or we're not the host because we know our technical savvies we feel that the next person doing it is gonna bungle it and yep. boy do they bungle it sometimes <laughs> when they accidentally shut you off when they forget to invite a client and they're yelling at you saying that your client's not answering because you haven't invited her yet or when the other attorney has his desk turned away to do some actual work and you know, give that person an opportunity to just call the other person and be like, hey, you're ready. So it's what I call dress rehearsal, which scares me. And I, I think for both of you going in there, I have friends in the legal profession who are enjoying the Zoom procedures, at least for non, non, you know, non-evidentiary hearings. All what I do is evidentiary. I'm not a big fan of them. One, because I'm just too conceited and vain. So I'm looking at myself because you guys, baby Viking is in full force and effect. We're on week four. Mm. Um, I'm going for the Wolverine look. And when I say I'm going for the Wolverine <laughs> look, it's going for the merger of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, ideally the Wolverine, the 2012 movie, I think it was 2012, and the X-Men, the animated series comic book look. Okay. Merged into All right. one. Like May 29th, we're going to shave the chin, but we're going to keep the mutton chops. My family's wondering why I shave like the mustache. It's because, you know, hispanic background i don't have the strong genes to fully grow it so i just rather have the mud and chops or the uh you know the taft or the abraham lincoln kind of beard going on but we have a goal in mind a lot of my young childhood teenage years is spent being peter parker 
now I just want to be James Howlett, a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine in my 30s. Because why not? I'm like 5'7". He was like a 5'4 Canuck. I'm not Canadian, but if I'm going to be an honor- honorary Canadian, I'd rather be for that reason as opposed to just being stuck in Canada. Um, so I, I, I guess for me is that as we go into the virtual stages, everything, because now it's court procedure, now it's going to be the NFL draft, and I find that very amusing because if I got a a judge who's trying just to be a host for a zoom meeting without hopefully not having pornography appear in the middle. Cause I'm sure you guys have, have, and, and everybody out there listening, if your attorney does not dress up in a suit and tie on a zoom conference, you better fire them because right now with a lot of continuance are happening, you're paying for them to look the part, be the part. They better be coming in like Phil Jackson or Pat Riley on court day. I don't care if it's a UMC motion or I don't care if it's a full blown evidentiary here for an hour. Do not allow them to swindle your money because underneath they're wearing a Disney world shirt. Don't be that client. Don't be that victim. But now, cause if you imagine a judge is having this issue, I can't wait till later this week where you're going to have IT guys outside of the NFL GM having to explain to them why their infrastructure is failing because they have bad internet connectivity. The way of the future is comedy, gentlemen. That's my viewing of this week of what we had prior to everything. Oh, boy. Andrew, how you doing, man? How's it going? Not bad. Just working. Um, not really thinking anything special to report. Mm. No, that's not a. Well, hold on, hold on now, hold on. You got a certain video game that you just got into, and we had a nice couple. Well, not a, just a couple, a bunch of games this past weekend. That's true. Uh, played my first uh, online games of Rocket League. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, apparently, I'm getting better. Uh, it it was uh. Well, not, the mode is gone, right? by the way, the Heat Seeker like, game or mode, whatever, that they, they had for, I guess, this past week. And it was, we had a OG sports goof, Doug, actually join us. That was a very nice uh, throwback there. And we, we, some, we yeah, we, we, I think we had, we had a winning record. I, I know that for sure. I know we had a, a winning record. He's a enforcer, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and we posted this on our on our, our our YouTube page at least. Well, actually, on all of our pages, um, uh, a, the game that we most especially played was a certain, I guess, a certain trio that decided to get a little uh, rough. They had a goon coming at me because apparently I was I was basically uh, Mark Andre Fleury on steroids for a bit <laughs> during our gameplay. So uh, Doug basically just. Uh, became uh, Ty Domi and just, just utter, utter annihilation to the other team to allow uh, me and Andrew to take care of the, of the scoring and, and win the game. We were, we were down 3 nothing, and came, came back to win 7-5, to which was uh, probably the most satisfying game of Rocket League that I've ever played. And I've played thousands of games now. So that was that was really good. And I think Andrew, I think you're you're starting to get used to the physics of it. It's it's a little different. And Charles, I know you've you've played some already too, so uh, yeah, yeah, you can. We look had for, a little trial session. Yeah, we we uh, you can look for for that uh, esports goofs as we're gonna call it <laughs> every time we post something there. So uh, yeah. Um, so wait, I, you said they got rid of that type? It was a it was a temporary like every I don't know maybe like once a month or something they have like a temporary like experimental mode 
that they have. And so that was it. So yeah, yeah. From now on, we just regular modes now. Basket basketball super hard. <laughs> um, of course, I play strictly hockey, and uh, yeah, soccer. But uh, let me know uh, anybody wants to play with us. You know our our gamer tags and stuff and everything are down there. You know we're on the Switch on the PS4. Uh, we're gonna be on the PC as well. I'm gonna get that gaming PC finally, and yeah. Yeah, so okay, Freddie. So Gronk is what you posted there, and I guess we'll 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 jump right into the NFL because there has been some news as we're we're getting the run up here to the 2020 draft this Friday. We might do a uh, reaction stream, live reactions as it, as it goes on. So thinking about doing that, and but there's been there's been some news out of Tampa Bay. As uh, Tom Brady enjoying himself out there in, in Central Florida, renting out our Lord and Savior Derek Jeter's home, uh, getting kicked out of public parks, uh, he's got a he's got a he's got a friend that's joining him, uh, Charles. Uh, <laughs> uh, who is this so guy? <laughs> I got a I got a question. Yeah. Well, I got a even a bigger question because I think this is the lawyer in me. Is Brady kicked out of parks? Give me a second. It's a quarantine area. Oh, sorry. Sorry, that was my connection. Nope. I, I somehow uh, okay. it kind of dropped on me for a bit. Switch, there's a little bit of stalling. Okay, now I hear you. Now you're back. Go ahead, Charles. Okay. Well, you know, there goes my. All right. So there goes my Tom Brady staying 500 feet away from the park uh, joke. But let's go to the real. <laughs> well, like, you can say it. This, nobody right? heard it. Going if I didn't hear it, nobody else heard was... it. It's it's probably better that I don't say it, but think about it this way. Have you ever seen Horrible Bosses? Yes. Do you remember the reason why Charlie Day couldn't, you know, was labeled as a sex offender in the, in the movie? <laughs> it was something akin to that. I don't want us, a budding eSport and famous podcast, soon-to-be-famous podcast, to be killed by the deficits of Tom Brady. He already did that to the Patriots. Let's not have him do it here. But the trade was New England was basically blackballed because Gronk's like, like, hey, I'm willing to come back, but I don't want to play for anybody else. I don't, except with anybody that has Tom Brady, so I don't want to play for you. So trade me. And yeah. so Brady gets a, a tight end who has had a year of recovery. Belichick gets a fourth round pick. And I'm super invested in hoping that the Patriots don't suck this year so I can get a Buccaneers Patriots Super Bowl. I know it sounds unholy, but there's a reason why. Because <laughs> now I really feel like Bill Belichick is just surviving to be the bane of Tom Brady's existence because <laughs> Gronk has one year left on his contract, 10 million. The Buccaneers, in theory, were already stacked offensively. They have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They had OJ Howard, who isn't a Gronk-level tight end but he's healthy-ish and isn't as broken, but it kind of feels like, I'm just going to say it, it's pre-Madonna-ish that Gronk's coming out of retirement because he wants to be with Brady and essentially demanded a trade, even though it might be the sweetest demand. It's still a demand because the Patriots had every right to trade him anywhere. Let me tell you something. 31 other teams would have probably wanted Gronkowski. Um, so in theory, now if they don't trade O.J. Howard before the draft, and I think it's going to be post-draft, to be honest with you. I think whoever gets him, hell, I'll take O.J. Howard. I'll I'll funnel him up with Johnny Smith. We won't pick up his fifth-year option, but we'll do something to have a twin tight end over in Nashville um, for, for the Titans. But still, it's an idea. 
But so Brady's going to have him again, and everybody's kind of going to hype. And I see this as two things. So, Freddie, to answer your first question, we're going to overreact just because Gronk's going to add one win. So they're going to go from six and 10 to seven and nine. <laughs> and then, two, we're doing the same reaction of what we did a year ago when the Browns got Odell Beckham Jr. And look what that turned out. Because here's the thing I'm at this point where is Bruce Arians the right guy to lead this master class of aerial assault for a quarterback who I'm not even certain can throw past 15 yards if he doesn't have the perfect amount of time and protection. I told you when Brady got signed, and I'll say it again, they don't have a running back. I don't have faith in Ronald Jones to be a serviceable every down back. Payne Barber's not the guy. They have an offensive line issue. Are they also going to go draft a linebacker, or are they going to kind of recoup some draft picks because – two of your star players quotation marks in the air now because you've acquired brady and you've acquired gronk are kind of in the twilight of their careers brady right. is 42 and even though he's on a two-year contract anything can happen man one bad busted leg he's out he I, can go the I way of alex like, smith i feel like the buccaneers are hoping hoping that that tom brady is brett Favre when he went to the vikings initially and and got them to the to the nfc championship I, I think that's what they're kind of banking on, that Tom Brady can do that, but better. It, it, it almost feels that yeah, way. And it might be. You know who the real winner is, guys, of this Gronk to the, the Bucks thing? I won't even call it a trade because, you know, a gun to the head is not really consent in this situation. That's how I feel Belichick was. The real winner is the Bucks organization because I went to a Buccaneers game last year when they played the Saints in December, and there was really hardly anybody there, and Jameis Winston was god-awful. But now those ticket prices are going to go up, the jersey merchandise is going to sell, you're going to have a lot of the snowbirds who are going to be like, hey, because the NFL, it already is this way with fantasy football, but now it's just going to open up the doors to a two-tier fan system. And you can justify being a Patriots fan and say, well, let me have an NFC team. Oh, and by the way, this NFC team has both Brady and Gronkowski. Hmm. So let's root for them as an NFC team, as opposed to the Detroit Lions, who are taking all the little uh, Jam Brady's instead of the Marshas over there in Detroit. So it really benefits them. And if anything, it's going to benefit also Bruce Arians because the guy was kind of running on thin ice in Arizona with Steve Kime kind of blundering everything and not getting the right quarterback. But it's a way of saying, listen, my seven and nine year, even though I'm a supposed master coach, uh, meant nothing. I had a quarterback who threw 30 picks and fumbled a lot. Now I'm going to get this guy that is known to be possibly the greatest Super Bowl quarterback of all time and just best quarterback of all time, even though he only has two MVPs compared to Peyton Manning's five MVPs this season, but who's counting? Mm. Um, he's a tactician. He's surgical. And we're also going to add his buddy who is a legitimate red zone threat. Now, mind you, whenever they do get to the red zone, if they make it to the red zone, let's say all things go well, you're going to have tall boy Mike Evans and then you're going to have the Gronk being in the middle catching balls. I would kind of be afraid for defenders all around. But like I said, I'm not going to kind of, you know, get too excited early for the Buccaneers because in that division alone, they still have to beat the Saints. You know, you're, you're the king until you're dethroned, right? So mm -hmm. they're king of the South. And then over in the NFC, it's only getting tougher. You ask me between the Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers, there's a wild card team 
and a a division leader. And maybe if the hype on Kyler Murray, and I understand he was rookie of the year, I still think it was rigged, uh, <laughs> is legitimate. And Arizona can do something with, well, it was, but we'll talk about that on a different day. Uh, when DeAndre Hopkins is traded there and they can actually get some defenders, that might be another second wild card team. And over in the NFC North, the Vikings, if they find a replacement, Stefan Diggs. So are the Buccaneers really contending for a Super Bowl position with this trade? Or are they doing enough to shore up their entire team to help them be just a wild card team? Because at best, at best, it's just a wild card team. Because you look at the Saints and we'll go back to that division because you want to win the division because that guarantees you possibly home games and that guarantees you possibly a berth. Being a wild card team is not acceptable because what do we know about Brady? He can't survive an entire playoff season. You want to know how I know? Because we whooped him in the first round this year. He's so used to being the division buys. You look at last year or two years ago before they were eliminated, when they went to the Super Bowl, they had the benefit of being the number one, the number two, and they get the extra rest, the extra preparation. His body takes it and allows him to go on and work as a team. Mind you, I'm comparing apples and oranges because the receivers on the Buccaneers are vastly superior, but I'm just using it as an example of what they're used to. But you still have to beat a team that has Drew Brees, who might be healthy again this year. He was right. injured last year. They don't have Tay Bridgewater, but let's say, let's not play the speculation game if healthy. I hate that. It makes no sense to me because last year's last year, this is just year. If you're still, if you, if the expectation of that person is there in game one, let them ride it through to one through 16 until they're benched dead mm -hmm. or injured. Right. So yeah. then they're going to have Michael Thomas. Then they're going to have Emmanuel Sanders. They're still going to have, uh, I think it's Traquan Smith. They might draft another receiver in a very receiver deep class in the second round, even the first round, they still have Marshawn Lattimore, uh, this whole defensive line that comes into it. And they still have Alvin Kamara. I still feel that you're going to get another bruiser to compliment it aside from the backup who they have, who used to be, uh, the former starter in Mini and in Oakland, I believe. I forgot his name because it's irrelevant at this point. New season, right? Mm -hmm. But that's still a well-oiled machine, and yeah, I you, think you gotta, you gotta think with each step. Yeah, there's, there's, that's just looking within their division. That's they have to contend with with uh, New Orleans. Um, I mean, Atlanta had a better second half to their season. They necessarily haven't gone away. Of course, there's there's some things. There's some question marks with Atlanta, but they haven't gone away either. Well, the Panthers are starting over now that Cam Newton's gone. But that's just within their division. Then you have to look at the rest of the NFC. You have San Francisco that has that has risen. So it's not like it's not like Tom Brady is about to I mean, he's been in the AFC all this time, whatever, he's had competition and everything like that, contending with Peyton Manning and all that stuff and and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, but um, oh, now he's in the NFC, never played there, never really uh, com competed against those teams. Uh, within his division is another Hall of Fame quarterback, which he's never actually had to contend with. Let's say two. His entire Matt Ryan his, there. His, his entire time with with the Patriots, the the AFC East has been awful. I mean, the, the one time there was even a semblance of competition were those those two years that the, the Jets went to the AFC Championship game, and that was it. But other than that, it's just been and, – and what? Uh, when he got injured and the, the Dolphins ha happened to take the division, that was just like a fluke of a year anyways. So it's it's uh, it's been smooth sailing for him for so long that I don't think he's just going to come into Tampa Bay and suddenly – 
uh, win a division and have a, a first round bye. And I mean, look what happened with, with uh, losing a first round bye did to them last year. And uh, that's with Bill Belichick and, and those guys. I don't know if that's, I wouldn't say Bruce Arian is on the level of, of Bill uh, Belichick with regards to coaching uh, resume. So, uh, yeah, the, the Buccaneers, I mean, <laughs> so, it'd be let, funny let if, you... if throughout all of this, I mean, the Buccaneers have, have, have been having mediocre records their entire time with James Winston at 7-9, and 8-8, eight and, eight and all this jazz. If they finish with the same record, then they've gone nowhere with an even older quarterback. So let me ask you guys this. Why have we afforded Brady this mystique of him going to another team can make that team even better? I can really only name two or three quarterbacks right now in the entire NFL that I felt that if they were popped away and put into a different team could amplify it. It reminds me of Brett Favre when he went to the Jets because remember, they were destructive and that AFC East, and then came the elbow injury that yeah. derailed him. Um, because there's only a few guys. The way that Brady plays is not that gunslinger approach. And we give the mystique because we're saying 20-plus years, it's like 17 AFC title uh, East or titles, and then all this other jazz of six-time Super Bowl and all that stuff. But the reason why it's the model of consistency is not just of his performance as a player, mind you, still only two-time NFL MVP coming into or yeah MVP coming into it mm -hmm. um it's not as like he was plug and played you know who was plug and played Peyton Manning he yeah. went to the Broncos and it was a torrential downpour of FU bombs to Jim Irsay <laughs> over there at, to Indy from yeah. Denver's own the reason why is that the organization that Brady played with was the model of consistency well and john elway was building something was building towards something and he knew he needed a quarterback that could get him over the top and not just any quarterback he got up he had a hall of famer there in an all-time great so but I, I think i get what you're saying the uh, the buccaneers haven't really been building up to this it wasn't if, if it's anything it's a windfall right yeah. it just it was the perfect storm the only thing they did right was signing mike evans for an extension because apparently Bill O'Brien doesn't believe in giving dominant top five receivers money, but that's a different team and a different organization, but continue. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, well, Tom Brady has earned, of course, the act, the, you know, all the, all the compliments and the accolades and all that stuff. But I, I don't know if it, it seems like it's too late. I feel like we're going to get, you know, Joe Montana with Kansas City or uh, baseball terms, Willie Mays with the New York Mets. I, you know, it could reach that. Or we're just going to get a service. I, I I don't know if the Buccaneers are because Jameis Winston was so Jekyll and Hyde. He was great one minute and then the next minute he was awful. I don't know if they're, they'd be really content with, okay, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, but... Uh, of course, all the way down in his, uh, you know, at the end of his, the twilight of his career, we're pretty much at the end of his career. Uh, we just need him to be a game manager. Uh, he's the ultimate game manager for, you know, all the, the, the last, last minute Super Bowl victories and all that stuff. So I don't know if they're, they'll be content with a average quarterback at this point. Maybe that's what they want and they want to surround him with the pieces and everything that he wants. But, 
Um, it is... I, I still feel this is like a knee-jerk maneuver by the Buccaneers to do something. Do something loads of money off of, but it's it, it seems so... I, 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 well, I, I, I guess the, the good point that you made was with the Broncos. I felt like the Broncos built up to that. Like John Elway was like building up to this this team being something greater, whereas the Buccaneers are like, oh, let's try and see if Tom Brady will work for this. And it doesn't seem like they are building up to this contention that they're suddenly thinking that they're going to be automatically now with Brady. And may I ask you guys this question? Let's say all this is for naught, and my prediction of them going 7-9 and nine is actually correct, which would surprise me because I like to be wrong sometimes, not in this endeavor, but let me ask you this. Brady, who has known his entire career to succeed on a two-year deal, that, that that is what he has, and I think it's essentially guaranteed regardless. They go anything lower than, let's say, nine and seven, or even eight and eight, because you know there's that idea of the veteran always says, one more year with the right team. Does Brady just call it quits? Because then he finds himself in the cesspool of what a lot of old veteran quarterbacks who have to hang it up not because their body's given away but because it's too far gone on the team itself and they're so far back because one day the salary cap will hit you one day you gotta you have money invested in this tight end this receiver and then gotta get a new running back and you gotta get you gotta invest in this quarterback you go below 500 are you off in the sunset because he hasn't done that he hasn't been in a situation like that and I know he wants to go away on his terms, but you know it's not like basketball where you could be the shining star on a turd team because football is a very you're reliant on the other people. So if the guys that you have keep dropping passes, the linemen keep fumbling the ball when they're snapping it, the receivers you know fumble themselves, what have you, the defense just gets shredded like they did two years ago. You want to be in that environment? So I'm looking back at, let's see, Brett Favre was 41 years old when he finally retired. Tom Brady is now 42. He is on a two-year contract with the Bucks. If it's, I'm thinking, if it's disastrous, would he demand a trade to someplace else and would the Bucks oblige? Um, it, I think, well, that's, it all depends on how he does. I think he would probably, even if he had a bad season, I think he would chalk it, and if the team was bad, I think he would mentally chalk it up to, well, I had a bad team. Uh, Bruce Arians wasn't the coach. He wasn't the right guy. I'll go to, I don't know, what's another fringe team that's that's kind of been knocking on the door lately, but and hasn't really gotten over the top. Not sure. Well. Well, hmm, try to think. What would be a fringe team that kind of would try to put themselves well, over the top? I don't know, the Chargers? The, the, fringe, know. the fringe team that tried the, the Raiders. Minnesota. <laughs> the Raiders. I can see the Raiders doing something like that. Maybe. I mean, he is a Bay boy. You know, I mean, granted, he's going to Las Vegas, but Tom Brady in Vegas actually sells more money to me as your quarterback instead of Derek Carr. Poor Derek Carr. Remember, Gruden wanted to get Brady, but I think uh, – the owner was just like, nah, it's not happening for yeah. numerous reasons um, coming into it. 
but there a lot of teams are set onto the future and i think what happened was had Jameis not thrown 30 picks even if he had 20 even 20 yeah i don't think they would have let him kind of go because you could probably have got him at a cheap deal um or not cheapest but a cheaper deal right because here's the issue if i'm them and I really say offensive tackle isn't what I need. I would trade out into the back in the first round, acquire first and a couple of seconds because I would get another premier player on the line. And then you kind of have to go for the quarterback of the future as well and give them the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers effect that in case Brett really pisses you off, Aaron Rodgers was ready, right? Because that's what happened. Fate came in. Her in the game, Rogers shows some potential, and that allowed them to make the decision to move on. Mm-hmm. And the, the same, they could get Jordan Love if they wanted. I don't know enough about him. All I know is people tell me to ride that hype train, and it's the same equivalent of Patrick. I didn't know who Patrick Mahomes was, but I knew who Deshaun Watson was. I knew who all the other rece- uh, the quarterbacks were, but people were like Patrick Mahomes, and it turned out they were right. And that's one when you listen to like analysts and draft experts, and we kind of touched upon it last week. And I don't like to listen to them because they're just buzzing sounds. But this is the time I do tune in. Well, they tell me a quarterback has potential if given time. And you look at someone like Patrick Mahomes, who got to sit really the whole year except for one game in his rookie year and came out to be just a monster. I'm going to listen. So maybe you got to do that because right now, I don't know if you can go all in, dive headfirst into the water and not know if it's shallow or deep because Brady at the end of the day is 42, 43. And he had a very revealing interview. I think it was on Howard Stern show or one of them mm-hmm. about how his family life was kind of a little bit upturned because it was always football. Yeah. He's got young boys. His wife is very much like you need to get your act together. Yeah. At some point responsibility comes knocking. And right now I think he's just trying to be the money man because what he might want to do in the future is create the TB agency and just be an, who knows, right? I'm just, I'm just speculating, but it, it's a very interesting for the Buccaneers, but Long story short, because I've taken a lot of everybody's time on this, you did all this to go 7-9. You're celebrating winning a Super Bowl in April. You're doing what the Browns did, and that's why when the first week when the Browns played the Titans and we beat them, Delaney Walker says, you want to crown them, crown them. You still got to play the game. And in Mm -hmm. this situation, oh, man, there's so many people in the NFC that it's like Game of Thrones, man. Who really rules the Seven Kingdoms? Right. but that's just my thoughts on Brady and the Gronk and all that other fun stuff coming into it. Yeah, how's that going to affect this WWE contract? <laughs> I will talk about that on the cage. Oh, okay. All right, we'll, we'll push off on that. Uh, let's see. Um, Andrew, do you have anything uh, you want to talk about football-wise? Draft coming up? Anything, uh, I mean, uh, has to do with college football? Or is it pretty much just everybody... Uh, with their college teams, trying to see how many of the uh, guys picked, uh, trying to get the numbers up for each of their schools. Is that, that's what's going down most likely. Because there's a lot of right, how about this? college football well, fans Andrew, that are just strict college football fans, you know? Yeah, Andrew, is there a UCF player? Uh, and I did not really watch a lot of it. Is there a UCF player that you hope gets drafted that you know that has – entered into the draft i don't know so if there's a highlight guy that you want to give because ucf has produced some guys throughout the years is there a guy that you know that's possibly you know maybe not in the first day but day two or day three of the draft that you you're you're hoping a player that you know has kind of entered their names to the draft yeah um i mean there's one guy that has i i honestly think has potential 
to be a day one guy, but mm. all the uh, all the prognosticators have him as going in either the second or third round, and that would be Gabriel Davis, who is a receiver. Um, he left early. He's a junior. Um, I mean, some would argue that he was – I mean, it's – it's inarguable that he was one of the best receivers in UCF history. That's there's no doubt about that. And he probably would have broken a lot of records if he had stayed for another year. Um, and bear in mind that includes Brandon Marshall, um, Brashad Perriman, um, trying to think of other, uh, Trey Quan Smith. You mentioned him earlier. <clears throat> Uh, went to UCF. Uh, there's a couple of other pretty high-profile wide receivers that have come out of UCF. Um, he he absolutely torched Stanford last season, uh, and that was kind of his coming out party to the nation. We we had all known that he was a very special player since he came in freshman year, um, but that was kind of him saying hello world um he actually did uh a bit of personal training with brandon marshall uh this off season mm-hmm. uh in preparation for the draft so i assume that helped and um he he's he whoever gets him is getting a legitimate threat. He may not be the biggest guy out there, but he is fast. Yeah, they got a they got him at the forty yard at a four point five four. He's pretty quick. He's pretty quick, and he he's also able to. He's very thirty uh, five inch vertical jump. Wow! Not just that, but he—he he also is—he's—he's he's acutely aware of his surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a uh, there's a clip of him at the combine where he he made like an over the shoulder or over the head catch, kind of leaning to his left because it wasn't exactly the greatest throw. Uh, but he he made the catch look easy and kind of saved face for whoever that quarterback was. Uh-huh. Um, he he's he's hyper aware of his surroundings and his you know his space his place in space, so he's able to kind of contort himself or angle himself in ways to make catches without uh, you know compromising positioning or whatever. So he's very good at that. Um, How's his hand? Is he high or low on the drop level? Because if I'm a GM, if I love he, to play this he game, he doesn't drop a lot. He, he's so very he's the sure Franklin, basically. If anybody's he, seen the replacement, he's got the stickums on his hands. Yeah, he. I mean, obviously, he wears the stickum gloves like everyone does, but he he does not drop a lot. Um, to the point where, um, I mean, look up look at some of his highlight film. Um, we're more surprised if someone, if he dropped the ball, um, very low drop rate. Next, I would have to say is Navelle Clark. He was one of our defensive backs. Uh, he also left early. Um, 
very solid guy uh, for us. He made a lot of big plays when it counted, um, a few big interceptions for us. Um, you know, he, he'll, he'll be very solid, whoever picks him up. Um, you know, I could, I mean, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible here. I mean, he wasn't as splashy or make the waves that Gabriel Davis did on the receiving end. But then again, very rarely do you have a defensive player, like really like get the same amount of attention as a wide receiver will. Uh, but he is, his big thing is he's a real ball hawk. Um, he's, he can be, I mean, he's okay at tackling, uh, but his big thing is he is very good at reading the quarterback and reading plays and letting it develop. And then he'll come in just out of the middle of nowhere, uh, and intercept the ball. Uh, he, he's, he has very high football IQ and awareness. Um, I mean, I guess sort of, I, I'm, I'm not comparing necessarily to his skill set. Um, because I don't, I don't near, know nearly enough about football players, but I'd say his IQ is up there. His recognition is up there with, like, let's say Richard Sherman mm. uh, during Legion of Boom days. That's pretty good. And that, that that's kind of definitely something there. Yeah, I mean, what Sherman was a fifth round pick out of Stanford that had to earn his keep, and he's one of the premier guys. And a small school like UCF, if they have a guy who gets the reps in, gets elevated on the bench and on the depth chart has this opportunity to do something great. And then I guess the last guy I want to highlight, and we have a few guys in the draft this year um, that can be solid contributors. I'd say the last person that I would highlight is Adrian Killens. Um, he, he's a running back for us, and he is by – really any sort of metrics, especially in football metrics, he's a running back. He's tiny. He's 5'8", and I want to say 160 pounds. Hmm. Let's see, he may have uh, picked up some weight since the last time I looked it up. Let's see. I mean, he hasn't so he's picked like up... more of the Darren Froyles kind of effect? Is he... He is fast as fuck. Is he more pass catching? Is he pass catching? Is he more for running in the lines? Uh, Is he a guy who hits the edge? I look at. I'm trying to look up his 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 combine stats here. He um he's definitely more of an edge guy. Um, I mean he is able to run up the middle, um, especially if if he has a very good offensive line, which is what we had in 2017. Uh, which is where he uh, uh, made like real name for himself nationally. I mean, I would argue, and a lot, I think a lot of people would agree, he was the fastest player in college football the past uh, his past his whole career, which is 2016 to 2019. I like this. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got to hear us on uh, the first thing that pops up here. And the first two videos of him are titled Speed Kills. <laughs> no, seriously, though. He, he's, he's ridiculously fast. Um, I mean, he was a track star in high school, so that makes sense. 
58164 uh, was his measurements in, in his senior year. Um, let's see, junior 2017, which was his sophomore year, he ran for 790 yards, 10 touchdowns on 122 carries. He, he is very versatile, though. He caught 25 passes for 169 yards. He, uh, his big thing is speed. Um, he, I've never seen anyone as fast as him, and I've seen some fast guys at UCF. Um, not personally necessarily, but we've had really fast guys. We've had uh, Quincy McDuffie. We've had... Uh, who else? Um, Storm Johnson was okay in speed. Um, shit. It's killing me that I forget his name. Uh, Mike Hughes was, was also pretty decent, but he's the fastest person I've ever seen. Um, he, If he gets out in open space, he's gone. Mm. That's it. You're, you're done. He, when 2016, his freshman year, his freshman year, uh, we were playing Michigan. Yep. He had an 87-yard touchdown. That's the he photo did, that pops up here that I, I just showed right here on the screen. But, yeah. He he blew them out of the water. Like, you would think that those players were on a Division three team. He was just blazing past them so quickly. Um, track champion – uh, his senior year in high school, he ran a 21 second 200 meter uh, and a 10 5 3 100 meter, which is for a high schooler pretty quick. Um, so, like I said, he he's not big, hmm. uh, so he he definitely will. There's very small chance that he would end up. You know, being like a bruising, you know, Christian McCaffrey or uh, even Latavius Murray, who also went to UCF. You know, those guys are... I mean, you don't have to necessarily be big when you're running back. I mean, Barry Sanders was his size. He was five foot eight. So... But he, he could, course, he could break Barry tackles. Sanders. <laughs> he could break tackles, though. Yeah. Uh, AK... Yeah, he had more uh, weight on him, that's for sure. Like, he... And it's not a strong running back draft either, so there's plenty of potential for him to get in the middle rounds, I would say. It's definitely possible. I mean, I mean, more than likely, I imagine he'll being uh, be a, U, a D, UDF uh, UDA uh, drafted free agent, just because. I mean, for the same reason that not a lot of people offered him out of high school, which is he's tiny. Um, or like you know, for example, uh, uh, Mackenzie Milton—he's quote unquote tiny for a quarterback. Uh, but look how effective he's been. Uh, same thing with uh, Adrian here—is he's small both in height, although that doesn't matter as much, but more importantly in weight. So he's going to be an easier person to tackle. Yeah, he'd um, have to put on like like. 30, 40 pounds or something, you know? But that would end up hurting him. Yeah. Because his yeah. thing is speed. Yeah. And the last couple of years under Josh Heupel, he's become more of a, a multi-tool a multi 
a multi-purpose player. He'll catch uh, passes out of the flats or out of a bubble screen. I mean, do you think he could be like on special teams, just returning kickoffs or something? He could definitely be, a, like, if if they if a team didn't want him at at running back, he they would absolutely have him as a kick returner, no doubt. Um, if if he gets a seam anywhere, he's going to be gone. Um, he served as, as a matter of fact, he was a kick returner for us for, uh, like, we rotated our kick returners. Um, but he was one, uh, there was one in particular against ECU um, where he just blew past everybody. So, you know, no matter where they put him, if they put him kind of as a, you know, an outside receiver or a guy that can go to the edge of the running back or as a kick returner, you know, his speed will be a huge asset for whoever picks him up. Okay. And like I said, there are a couple, <clears throat> a couple of other guys out there. Um, you know, I, Nate Thompson, uh, there's a, there's a couple other guys that could go on, but those are like the big three that people may know on a national level. Um, that, I mean, Gabe Davis, he's going to be drafted, period. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, he could be in the first round. I think he he could be a first rounder. Um, I don't necessarily know how deep the run of the wide receiver. Uh, wide receivers are this this draft it, it's ridiculous man like there's at least projected you know there's there's at least projected five or six receivers going within a lot of the mock drafts in the first round alone so compile that with the first two rounds uh you could still get a lot of talent in that third round coming into it there's plenty of names out there uh that can show because aside from jerry judy you have um, Houston Jefferson from LSU. You have uh, T. Higgins from Clemson. Henry Ruggs the third. Brandon Ayuk. You have um, a few other guys that come into it. Now you add in Gabe Davis to get a guy who you say could be a starter after some time seasoning in the third, fourth, fifth round is just a boon for whatever team drafts him and keeps him. Yeah, uh, like I said, a lot of uh, people are expecting him to be a second or third rounder. Um which I guess is fair, you know, he, you know, is, it's, it's undeniable UCF does not play as tough competition as, you know, your LSUs, your SEC, your Power 5 teams. That doesn't mean that we're not as good as some of those teams, um, but, you know, we're overlooked, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he could absolutely be a starter and a huge contributor for whoever picks him up. Um, all right. Anybody else that you guys are looking forward to is, I mean, uh, there's of course on my end, dolphins fans have, uh, the quarterback question mark coming into the draft here as to who to draft now as uh, most pretty much everybody expects the Bengals to draft, uh, Joe Burrow and get that out of the way. Actually, uh, something funny I want to tell you. Mm. Um, 
I don't remember where I, I saw it on Twitter. I don't remember. I don't remember who actually posted it on Twitter, but apparently there's a sports book that has um, the odds at uh, at Burrow going first at negative one hundred thousand. <laughs> wow. So, hmm. so a one hundred thousand dollar bet on him being drafted first would would earn you one dollar. <laughs> Okay. So I'm I'm actually strongly considering. I I've never bet in my life, uh, but I would actually consider putting a dollar down on that, in the hopes that let's say the Dolphins decide to trade up and pick him, or, well, no, no, no. If he's first overall. Uh, yeah, the, the Bengals. Wait, are, the, you throw three first rounders at me in a second i'll trade away i mean the right dolphins have the, the, the dolphins have stockpiled a ton of draft picks don't they have but, like five in the first two rounds yeah so uh, the Bengals yeah. would pretty much just ask for those five so right. that's that's probably what would happen although and this is my this, so a lot of people are, are saying all right chris greer this is your <laughs> this is your one and only chance to do this because if you if you fail on this pick you're not going to be returning to the Dolphins, that's for sure. Right. But um, most, I, I guess most Dolphins fans are saying, draft Tua, everybody knows the concerns for his injury history. We all know that. But people are looking back at what the, the, the huge mistake the Dolphins made when they had the choice between Drew Brees and Dante Culpepper, and they thought, oh, Drew Brees has a terrible injury history early on in his career thus we're going to go with Culpepper lo and behold it was the other way around and of course uh, Drew Brees is going to be a Hall of Famer so people are saying the Dolphins don't make the same mistake draft Tua see how it goes I'm on that boat too I'm at, like like um, I think so, I forgot who said it but it's like the Dolphins are choosing either to be super either uh, to avoid greatness because there's a chance of injury by choosing perpetual mediocrity if they go with um, with Herbert. That's that's the other other choice the Dolphins could make because and and for me it's yeah go for it if it, if they mess up look it's just another few years they can just draft again heck the Arizona Cardinals drafted two quarterbacks twice in a row so it's not like it, it hasn't been done or it can't be done again so mm-hmm. I, I would still uh, do I, I just keep hitting the quarterback button until I get the right one that's what I would do for the Dolphins we've been waiting forever since Dan Marino retired it's it's just just go for it go for it if he gets injured and it's it is what it is with him then fine we'll we'll try again two years from now if if he's if if that's the case but um that's that's kind of the huge question mark there of course there's people that are thinking well what if a team like i think what was it who uh the detroit lions right they they pick ahead of the dolphins i think yeah okay so it's their number three so how it goes it's um Cincinnati, it's mm-hmm. Washington, it's and there's some rumors the New York about Giants. them wanting a quarterback. Yeah, no, it's Detroit, then New York, then New York, then York right? The yeah, New York doesn't need a quarterback, 
So people are thinking, well, the Detroit Lions could make that pick. Then it's like, okay, should the Dolphins try and trade up just to try and get them? And a lot of people are saying do it because you don't want to risk the chance that you lose Tua. But then I'm looking back and I'm like, man, the Dolphins have all of these draft picks. And and I'm thinking... And mind you, you trade away players to get that right you trade away the minka fitzpatrick's mm-hmm. the kenyan drakes so the, all these other guys so the, i'm laramie Tunzel. i'm thinking if we don't even get Tua, we can still draft other guys and start building the core and I, I don't know if this is a good comparison or not but i'm thinking like back with the herschel walker trade where minnesota uh, traded their boatload of draft picks to the Cowboys for Herschel Walker. Lo and behold, those are all the great Cowboys for from the 90s that, that got them their Super Bowls. So I'm thinking, well, what if this is the Dolphins' moment to do this, to use all those draft picks to build the core, for whether it's even if it's not the flashy quarterback position this year, well, you could do it next year. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be any good next year anyways. I still I don't think they'll they'll be that much improved. If they're even worse, it might even be a good thing, and they can just get whatever uh, um, <laughs> uh, Lawrence from Clemson or something. You, you never know. Uh, so at this point, I say even if we don't get to it, let's say the Detroit Lions do it. All right, then let's get the next best thing with all those draft picks that we have, and we'll try again next year because. It is what it is. Right not now. even gonna be starting. Yeah, exactly. Not even gonna be starting. Yeah, this year. I, I don't mind another. Be... I don't. I don't mind Fitzmagic for another season. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the idea is that you'll have. This is how you want to happen. You draft whoever. So let's say it's Tua, just for all intents and purposes. What you have to pray for is that you keep Fitzpatrick entrenched as a starter, regardless, because you know it's his final year on the contract. So there's nothing for Tua to gain by sitting in the middle of the season or at the end of the season, just learn because you know you're not going to fire Flores, right? What you have to hope for is that Tua looks so good that he could beat out Josh Rosen because mm-hmm. all the people will tell themselves, oh, it's not so much that Josh Rosen is that bad to lose out to a rookie, is that our first-round draft pick beat out the number 10 pick in the draft of XYZ. It's that right. little peppering. It's like that special ingredient, special sauce to help that confidence booster of that team because you still have safeties to draft. You still have linemen to draft. Another receiver is definitely going to help you. Why? Because it was Preston Parker mm-hmm. as your best receiver because here's the thing about Devontae Parker. I know I said earlier – or Preston Williams, I'm Williams, sorry. Yeah. I know I said earlier I was about say I don't Preston consider Wilson, dudes that's history. A different person that played for Miami <laughs> yeah um I'm not going to consider I think Preston Parker was a receiver for the Giants a couple of years back but that's a different story so I'm not gonna I, I know earlier in the show I said hey I'm not gonna indict guys who have been injury prone throughout the years because it's a different date now that's different with Devontae Parker who is always conventionally injured except for the year he got paid oh you're right so Preston you, Parker fella, did play for the Giants paid. <laughs> Look at that. Madden, <laughs> you do teach me things. Uh, that's a player to forget. Um, but here comes Devontae Parker. Like, you know it's going to happen. He's going to get a paper cut, be out two games. So you still might want to get another receiver uh, unless you're just shipping out second rounders to other teams who are just going to accept that as Trey Bate looking at you, Bill O'Brien. So it's interesting because if you look, the last team I saw that had three first-round picks was the Minnesota Vikings about eight years ago. 
where they picked up Xavier Rhodes. They picked up the defensive tackle. Was it Sheree Floyd? Yeah, who uh, whose knee went and was no longer surgically repaired or proper. And I think that was the year they also had Christian Ponder. But mm. I, I don't quote me that for sure. Maybe it wasn't. But they had three first-round picks, and they had guys there for longevity because – you want to do it because the whole idea is let's draft them in their rookie years and contract years of a new CBA because we don't want to pay them after year five or six anyway. Um, so you have to fill in the holes. Can you go wrong with Tua if he's healthy? I don't know. He didn't really play in a pro offense, whatever that means in college. Andrew can tell us. I think it just it's all smoke and mirrors unless it's the uh, triple option. Oh, well, um, I can, can you answer go that wrong really with quick Herbert? if you want. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, because I always have that up for debate. So – I guess in short, a pro offense is, well, a pro offense. Um, it's, you know, it's it's no hurry up, no huddle, uh, you know, run through the huddle, um, nothing fancy. Uh, it's predominantly passing quarterback. Um, you know, what the... The Ravens are not a pro offense, uh, if that if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're talking like UCF, for example, under George O'Leary was a pro offense. Um, you know, had a tight end lineup. Well, well, we have tight ends too in the in the current scheme of things, but. It's your more traditional stuff, you know, nothing flashy. It's just good old-fashioned football, if you will. Blocking tight ends, at least. Not guys who are going to try to get vertical on you. Exactly. In that sense. So, and, you know, like, no triple options or, you know, fakes or anything spectacular. It's just, you know, your meat and potatoes of football. So the reason why people, why naturally the reason why uh nfl teams like quarterbacks that are in pro style offenses is because they're a bit more accustomed to what they'll experience at the pro level um although it seems like that's uh changing a little bit with what the ravens are doing with lamar jackson yeah all right because the last time you hear he comes from a pro offense early for me was when Jameis came out Right, because right. that was the Jimbo Fisher lie that they told us that Jameis was pro ready and he could do things, and he ends up leading the league in turnovers. Because that's also, if you think about the guy who probably ran the most pro offense ready in college ball out of those who were selected, I would imagine it's Jake Fromm in Georgia, right? Pass the ball, pass the ball, or like run the ball, run the ball, run the ball with DeAndre Swift, and then do play actions and short yardage on a safe bet, safe keeping. Whereas in Alabama, watching Tua play, they went unconventional to what they usually did. Mm. And then you have your, um, your like your Jalen Strongs, who are just coming out of Oklahoma and just slinging in and running around. But that that's what always kind of got me. So it's always kind of tough going for a quarterback. And for the Dolphins, I don't know who your what your offensive identity is anyway, because you fired Chad O'Shea. Yeah. I don't know who the hell your offensive coordinator is now. I mean, we, and, it, it's kind of hard to have an offensive identity right now for the Dolphins. That's why I feel like this this draft and next year's draft, these next two drafts are really important for them to grab their core, um, see what you got this year with the, with the new guys that you get, 
start developing that identity for your offense, then get what you need next year because you still have a bunch of draft picks for next year too. And then you start building that core to something greater. Um, even if we can't get two of this year, we draft the quarterback next year. It, you know, even if we have to move up, we can use those draft picks to move up too. And it's like, you know what? We're going to go for Trevor Lawrence. And we're going to throw in this huge package of, of draft picks just to get him because we're like, we're right there. I don't know, but that's, that's how I see it. I feel like this is this, like the dolphins aren't going to be good now. They're not going to be good next year, but three, that third year, that fourth year, I could see it. Okay. If they so do it right. Ask, let me ask you this, because this is different from college and from the pros, because I feel college, unless you're the big, big schools, there's a lot of patience there. How long is too long? How long is enough? How long? Especially I, especially when you get organizations that just get this lightning in a bottle. Look at my Titans. We have been just media 97, 97, 97, and also an AFC championship game. Right. And we didn't do anything crazy. We took Ryan Tannehill. We got Derrick Henry in the second round. Well, I mean, the plan is not to be, and I don't know if that, that Titans will be flashing the pan. I don't know if that's going to be, uh, or if, you know, you guys can replicate it or build upon that, but I don't, well, <laughs> the, the perfect example is the Jacksonville Jaguars where everything completely falls apart after that. Um, but I don't want to flash in the pan. I want to build up to something that can be consistently good. And so, you know, we have the, if we have the right coach, which I, I, I still have confidence in Brian Flores. Um, if, if the organization can find some stability in that sense and building their core, then I feel good about it. Because before, remember, the Dolphins threw a bunch of money at a bunch of huge free agents and stuff. I mean, there's been no shortage of the Dolphins trying to show, uh, sign flashy picks or flashy drafts uh, or free agents but or, or if Stephen Ross is willing to spend the money we all know that but they haven't had the patience to build up a core they had too much patience with Ryan Tannehill uh, so um, that's that's where that's where things lie for me so I think I, I, I'm looking at this three well well we can really say five years because year one was this past year so uh, year two, I mean, it's all about these draft picks that we're making. Year three, the same thing. By year four, those draft picks have to be improving. By year five, maybe contention of some sort, of some sort, with so, division or, or, or greater. Then that brings us back to the problem that you currently had last year. You're talking about a five-year process. These contracts are up. Are you going to even want to pay these guys now? And that's that's... I mean, let's talk five years from now. And, and assuming all and that's things... where the I mean, that's where we have to have a good front office because, you know, if, if we we have to have guys that can look. Even if even if we have to let go of some guys or make some trades, or whatever that can guys that know that can evaluate talent, and that's also a huge problem for the Dolphins. That's a whole other thing. We don't even know if if the guys that are running the show right now even know what the heck they're doing. So that's the other thing. But. Um, we're like past an hour now so you know uh well we can talk about the dolphins being terrible later so <laughs> we have a, we have an entire segment usually voided onto it anyway folks. <laughs> exactly so we're, we're going to our middle segment here uh players uh, oh no, no no we're from a non-sponsor series i was getting ahead of myself there so people places things concepts what what have you that we've been enjoying over the past week while sucking doors and so i don't know who wants to go first this week 
Well, let's see. I'm trying to think. Oh man, I had one too, and I just forgot it. I had it lined up too. I, I can start it off for yeah, you. Yeah, I'll think about uh, it as it gives you times. So, guys, I miss regular food. <laughs> I, I miss. I don't cook a lot, but I survive, right? And when I do get takeout, I'll just go and order a restaurant and kind of go from there. And, you know, I, I, I miss I miss Spanish food like crazy. I miss being able to get a burrito uh, because apparently all the places that I would go to are closed out. I miss it. So I asked myself, who is there ready to be accessible to me? to make me survive that isn't Publix. I went to Publix today, they're not my non-sponsor. I was very much hated because I came in like, I just want a puff sub and some water guys. Like, it would be, but I miss like regular food and we've given them the shout out before. But here's the thing about sponsors and non-sponsors. If you're kind of always kind of giving me some love, I'm gonna give you some love too. You know, you can always come back here. We'll recycle you go from that because when I want some real food and I'm sick of, the fast food, even Taco Bell and Taco Bell's the love sometimes. But when I'm even sick of Taco Bell, even though they have a new uh, Fire Doritos Locos taco, which you know your boys can get down <laughs> on real fast because I am the guinea pig, even though I have not done the KFC thing, but something tells me <laughs> on certain kind of foods from KFC, I'm going to get something worse than the CV. But uh, <laughs> it's Friday. You know, it was Friday night. or Yeah, it was Friday night. I wanted a real meal, man. I wanted something with a main base and some sides. I wanted to be tasty and I wanted something to enjoy. And we've talked about it before, but we'll talk about it again, especially since they were kind of desperate. I'm going to give some love to Flanagan's because they were still oh, available. Right. You know, I, I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted my half rack rib chicken sticker combo with my stickers hot with some blue cheese, some fries and my ribs. You know, I got that, got that for me, I got that for the family, and it was just mm, chef's kiss because this whole this whole quarantine, I've been saving money by not going out to eat. And trust me, when your boy is ready, he's gonna have himself a big ass burrito from Rancho Chico or wherever I can get it from. But you know, I have to see what places are accessible to me, to moi, to myself. And I was like, all right, I don't cook a lot of ribs. I'm not, I've never attempted to. And I'm afraid that if I did it, the government would invade my house to see how they can use my weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> so I already know that I can't go from there. There's something about them curly fries that I like because I'm a curly fry kind of guy and their curly fries aren't like Arby's. No offense to Arby's, I've given you love in the past, but they're not crunchy hard, they're nice and soft. I could dip it in my blue cheese. But you know what really kicked it for me, you guys? It was the hot sauce on the zingers, or not the zingers, I'm thinking of Ale House. The hot sauce on the chicken stickers that really was just rich and crispy and tasty. And all went well with me rewatching Daredevil season three for the second time. It, it was just a perfect storm of perfect meals that wasn't just me eating leftovers for the umpteenth time in a row of chicken milanesas or any kind of burnt steak by Charles or just having a yogurt with his protein shake. So Flanagan's for being desperate enough to open a bit right now so give us a second because charles and be a completely later. silent for a bit uh oh no yeah my, my i don't know it, it went down a little bit so you completely blacked out there for like the last 10 seconds of that well it, it's fine it, it probably wasn't pg-13 for my love of flanagan's as this <laughs> but folks folks if you want to get yourself a meal or a, a delicacy of takeout 
that can just pick it up for a decent price that will feed you for two days because that's how I do things when I go get takeout. I don't want to eat in one sitting because I'll hate myself later, not because I ate too much, but because I don't have nothing for the next day. You get a little bit of ribs, you get a little bit of stickers, so you eat some fries, and then that's lunch tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Get yourself some Flanagan's. Help support, I guess, the small businesses that deal with the food, restaurants, whatever. Just go get good food. Yeah. Uh, you can only eat Taco Bell so much. Trust me, I know this. Yeah. Promo code Tasty. I think that was my last one, and I'm always gonna say that mm. when I mention them. So Tasty. Get yourself some Flanagan's, buddies. Ah, uh, thought you go over like Big Daddy, because that's the or Big Daddy. That's, that's what their they liquor store. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, uh, I know that you had just mentioned them, Charles, and I know that we have covered them before obviously but my non-sponsor of the week is arby's oh that's a good one um i my we uh kind of made it a like a point almost to uh you know we never usually go out that much or we not recently but uh to kind of retain some normalcy we've said all right we'll go out like not go out, but order out once a week hmm. uh, to get food or whatever. Last week was Panda Express, which was okay. Um, they're usually better, but they've been going down in quality recently. No offense, Panda Express. Um, but this week, I was like, you know, I haven't had Arby's in a while. And their motto, and despite all the joking from John Stewart and uh, Stephen Colbert and John Oliver saying that uh, Arby's is not that good. I like Arby's. Hmm. They have the meats. <laughs> yeah. Um, and their curly fries, very good as well. Although I, I do have to agree with Charles that Flanagan's has absolutely incredible uh, curly fries. I love those. So I was like, you know what? Let's go get some Arby's. Uh, we went out. There's one pretty close to us, um, which I was kind of surprised by. The only one I knew was up in North Miami, but there's one uh, relatively close in Calle Ocho. Uh, so we took a, a little bit of a drive over there, which was nice getting out of the house. Um, even, and actually it was cool because we drove right by it because they don't have adequate signage. Um, but it was nice. We got to just drive and, you know, drive for no reason in a sense, you know, getting out of the house was quite nice. So I went back, I got myself the, uh, smokehouse brisket sandwich. Mm -hmm. mm, I found was, that so good. It is, it is really good. Uh, so I went ahead and got that, um, Got myself some potato wedges as well. Skipped the uh, skipped the curly fries because they are incredibly loaded with calories, and I'm still trying to I'm still trying to be good and uh, lose weight. I'm down actually 35 pounds in the past few months. So whoop whoop. Um, so I'm I'm trying to maintain yeah. that. Nice. Uh, so yeah, Arby's. Uh, that w that really hit the spot, and you know it's kind of like become a Sunday thing for us. You know, we're good for most of the week, and then just one night uh, one night a week, we're gonna go out and get something out that's you know fun and exciting to kind of you know change things up. You know, different yeah. place each week, uh, 
you know, I'm doing a project right now for work where I'm doing some research on um, mental health as it relates to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to avoid saying anything that could get us demonetized. Ah, uh, well, wait. <laughs> for, forget YouTube. They, they don't care about us. <laughs> um, so, and you know, one of the big things, you know, something I've stumbled across, uh, stumble across is... Uh, you know, going out, uh, um, you know, doing fun things, doing hobbies, things like that. I'm not necessarily saying that eating out is a hobby, but, you know, I kind of take it to mean, you know, doing fun stuff. Uh, and a fun thing is to, you know, get out of the house and kind of break up the food monotony a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my, my non-sponsor of the week uh is arby's and you know thanks to them they're they're doing an incredible essential service um and all my real mvps i'll get to them later yeah um as i always do but uh yeah arby's that that really you know perked up my week and you know is getting me through to next sunday or this coming sunday where i'll be able to order something new who knows? It might be Jersey Mike's this coming week. Okay. You have promo code. Uh, promo code. They have the meats. Okay. Yeah, it's been. It's kind of funny how like just going out to a fast food restaurant is suddenly like a fantastic occasion for us now. You know, it's like, hey, let's tunnel down to McDonald's and and treat ourselves. <laughs> well, you know, I've been thinking about it, and you know. A lot of things undeniably are going to be are going to change in everyone's lives as a result of this. I mean, I mean, we're still in the middle of it, but I know that things are never going to be the same. Mm. And I think one of the big things, and a silver lining, if you will, is people are going to become a lot more appreciative of what they have in life. Um, you know, you know that old saying, uh, you don't appreciate what you have till it's gone. Right. You know, before we could just like, you know what, I'm going to head over and get a son of Baconator over mm. at Wendy's, or I'm going to, I'm going to pick up some curly fries from Flanagan's or, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out and, uh, practice some football over at a park in Tampa. Uh, <laughs> but you, you don't appreciate we can't now that's i mean unless you're a crazy person but i won't delve too much into politics here all right but we don't have what we usually have anymore so we we're take we used to take that somewhat for granted and now we're not and hopefully uh come the future you know once this is all said and done people won't uh take stuff like that for granted they'll be more appreciative of the essential workers the the first responders um you know fast food restaurants and savor life a little bit more yeah all right um okay so let me let me do mine uh it's not going to be food based so yeah (laughs) we need one of them to not be food based at least so uh, I'm actually going to chalk it up to something that I've been messing around with the last few days anyways. It's, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it to Adobe. 
Ooh. All right. So Adobe, okay. Adobe, who uh, makes your Adobe Reader programs on your <laughs> on all of your computers and stuff, uh, so you can read your PDFs. Uh, always install your Adobe Readers and update it. But they also make a fantastic uh, thing that, well, I guess I would call it, well, they call it the Creative Suite, which is a suite of Ooh, applications that suite. that allow you to see all the things that you see all over the place, from your billboards to your movies to, I mean, just everything out there in the world. They are like they are the leader in this. And so I have to give it to Adobe because I've been kind of going, oh, I mean, that's what I was doing yesterday on my garbage day. Uh, it was just sitting there on Photoshop and messing with the Marlins logo for a bit and kind of making things my own. So uh, I did that. And it's uh, Adobe's creative suite that has brought to you all of this graphics that are on the screen right now. It's the whole reason I can do all of this, really. And, and make all of these fantastic signs. Have that Marlins versus Mets uh, announcement, by the way, this Thursday. Uh, Marlin, the Miami Marlins versus New York Mets in a very old baseball game. I will be uh, broadcasting that. I won't do it on Friday or Saturday or Sunday because I we cannot compete with the NFL draft. So mm. not, uh, I'll, I'll hold off on that. But Thursday, I'll be doing that. So people want to join me. It's basically just one long players remember to forget segment <laughs> honestly <laughs> that's basically it all i do is just sit there and be like oh this guy existed <laughs> that's all right i'll look up his life and see if he if it was worthy of uh of, of existing and he and most people who do once again you make it to major league baseball you make it to the show that's an accomplishment in and of itself that many of us wish we could do so mm. even if it was for a second so anyways, I mean, remember, feudal dreams, look what happened. Anyways, um, yeah, Adobe, man. I mean, I've been using it since, gosh, since I was a teenager, since I was in, before, like, since I was in middle school, I've been using uh, their line of products, um, got my graphic design degree, learned all their stuff too, Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop, um, InDesign, all that stuff. Uh, I haven't, well, they used to call it After Effects. Um, and stuff all that stuff and really they've been uh the reason i've been able to do all this i mean the reason i got into freaking <laughs> uh hockey uh and the reason i got press passes things like that like it's because of them uh that i've been able to do this type of stuff so uh, in my life and so i guess I, i've never given them a shout out and i think they probably deserve it at this point um, for I miss I miss Adobe Creative Suite. I used to use it uh, when I was in journalism school because mm. uh, we had magazine editing and photo editing. Yeah. Um, but that was all on on school computers, and I never got the opportunity, nor could I afford it really, because it is fucking expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. There are, and uh, well, I, <laughs> there are ways to get it. <laughs> <laughs> um anyways and they're the same way i get my old gamecube games um so there are ways to get it but uh because right but right now i i do use some graphic design i use a program called gimp right um but the no, no kink shaming here yeah yeah but there is uh there's a stark contrast in quality that's for sure absolutely the, the not people, a doubt the people that do make this 
work really hard on it to make it intuitive and, and just I mean it is it is the standard all right it is the standard for anybody, no, not a doubt. for anybody that wants to do any form of any form of I don't know just uh, branding marketing anything that you want to just show off I mean you use this if you want to make it yourself you use this you use and I've done it I've done it for myself I've done it for my career in in law really uh, I, I've done it for for everything that I've done it is it's been incredibly valuable now that I'm thinking about it so uh, thank you Adobe for what you've done and um, gosh um, uh, promo code uh, command Z or control Z which is the, <laughs> the undo button which is incredibly valuable <laughs> all right indeed indeed so that that's it that's my that's my non-sponsors I mean those are those are our non-sponsors uh, Arby's Flanagan's and Adobe all right so let me get to some of the smaller stuff that I have prepared for this so let's go to let's go first to better know a minor league team hopefully Google will pop up here and I can search for it and put it on the screen here and if it'll cooperate with me we don't know we have no idea but uh, minor league team that I have today for us is the Mississippi Braves they are a minor league team minor league baseball team established in 2005 although the franchise itself is older than that but they've been in Mississippi since 2005 they used to be the Greenville Braves in South Carolina then the Savannah before that the Savannah Braves in Georgia the Shreveport Braves in Louisiana and at the beginning the Austin Braves in Texas they're part of the Southern League they are the Braves double-a affiliate they've only been uh, the Braves affiliates um, the, the Braves own the team that's the the Braves uh, moniker on all of their the teams they've won uh, no, no notable championships here uh, John Smoltz played for the Mississippi Braves on a uh, rehab stint uh, in his career so those people in Pearl Mississippi got a chance to see a Hall of Famer and yeah they play in Pearl Mississippi they play at Trustmark Park which also opened in 2005 seats 80 or 8,480. I was going to say. An 80,000 seat minor league park. Wow. No. Uh, 8,480 8, uh, seat stadium that has a full service restaurant that is open year round for lunch. So if you're in Pearl, Mississippi, you might want to give them a call and uh, have some uh, uh, no touch delivery or, or some <laughs> carry out right now. Um, anyway, so that's the Mississippi Braves. Uh, so that's one. Got that out of the way. I got a Let's Hall, y'all, ready for you guys as, as well. My my Hall of Famer for today is Mike Musina. Ooh. Hey. Yeah, I thought I'd get that name out there. The, the Orioles legend. Well, technically, technically, he went into the Hall of Fame with no, no team on his hat. He went blank. Yeah, I can see that. So he, he himself decided that he couldn't choose between Baltimore and, and the New York Yankees, so he's like, neither. So I was just saying it more to uh, to tick off uh, 
our resident Yankees fan here. <laughs> well, he... see, Moose is a weird, a weird feel, though. I, I gotta say, because I, I don't even know if he really should have gotten Hall of Fame as opposed to Hall of Pretty Good. So well, it's his I mean, insult. I mean, I think Sabermetrics would say that he did deserve to get in. So and then, uh, yeah. So th- I think that's. He's probably one of the those first guys where you look back on it and it's like, yeah, he was that good. I mean, I think he has like an 83 wins above replacement. He was that good. Uh, so, he, I mean, here are his – this is his Hall of Fame entry here on the Hall of Fame website. Um, finished with a career uh, 270 wins in 18 years. Uh, logged 17 seasons of 10-plus wins. Played for both the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Yankees. So uh, initially with the Baltimore Orioles, he was drafted twice. Twice by the Baltimore Orioles. He was drafted out of high school initially. He's from Pennsylvania. And then he was drafted again the second time in 1990 when he was uh, playing at Stanford. So he's a, I guess you would say he's a smart dude. Got a degree in economics, so he did graduate. Five-time All-Star. 92, 93, 94, 97, and 1999. Seven-time Gold Glove winner, including his final year in 2008. Led Major League Baseball in wins in 1995. Part of the Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame. He never won the World Series with the Yankees, though. So he's... I think he only had one 20-year, or 20-year, one 20-win season, too. And that was in his second to last year or final year i believe it might have i mean he had a fantastic final year that kind of questions kind of calls into to question like man if he had stayed that one last year in 2009 maybe he got he would have gotten a ring with that with that 09 yankees team but of course maybe things would have been different you know butterfly effect what have you but it's um he played eight seasons with the yankees and yes, uh, let's see, he was 39 years old. His final stat line in 2008, 20 and 9 with 3.37 ERA. Oldest first time 20 game winner in big league history. Mm. So, and there's his Hall of Fame plaque on the screen there. Blank Moose was his nickname. 91 2000 with the Orioles, 01 through 08 with the Yankees. And the, that, uh, that basically that entire 2001 through 2008 period where guys would sign on with the Yankees. The Yankees would just nab all these free agents and stuff. Jason Giambi, Randy Johnson, Mike Lucina, and led to zero championships. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Or the Cleveland Browns of that era. It's okay. Uh, or, 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 I mean, 04 LA Lakers, basically. Stretch, LA stretched out over seven years. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So that's, uh, that's Mike Lucina, everybody. So let's uh, let's see. Do I have? Oh, player we remember to forget because we are going to. I mean, you know, this is a, I guess a football centric episode with the draft coming up. So I I, I went with a football centric uh, choice here. I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy. I just found him on Pro Football Reference and clicked the first random picture that I saw. I'm like, I don't remember this guy's face. And so my and spelling this out is going to be really hard. <laughs> I, I might butcher this name too. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, and Kabaja Ventimiglia. It has to be. What? 
you know Gabajo. I can never say his name, but he was a player in the uh, for the Green Bay Packers. In no, the no, no, not him. Uh, she, uh, I think this is it. Shimonga Biaka Butuku, Butuka. What the, what the hell? Or Tim? Oh. Or <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like you just summoned a demon in South <laughs> Miami, Francisco. You a little satiria. There's, that. there's some dead roosters around me right now. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyways, Shimanga Tim. His his nickname is Tim. <laughs> Biaka Butuka. There we go. That's that's the name. What the hell? Biaka Butuka. Uh, All right. So he played Shimanga. He played in the NFL. He was a running back. He played at Michigan. That's where he was drafted. He was drafted in the first round, eighth overall in the '96 draft. Played for the Carolina Panthers for his, t- his entire career from 1996 through 2001. So he was basically with that ex- with them in their expansion era. He is the first Zairean NFL player. So he's he's from Africa, from Zaire. That's where he was born. He was six feet tall, 215 pounds. Uh, That's a tall see. running back. Yeah. Uh, 2,530 career rushing yards, averaged 4.1 raw, uh, yards per carry, and had 14 rushing touchdowns over his career. He was injured a lot. He was the first NFL player to score two touchdowns of 60-plus yards in the same game. Huh. So I think I think he did that in his, his rookie year in 96. Um, he grew up in Canada. So that's that's where they they plucked him from. Uh, his cousins all played football. Uh, some played in college football. Uh, I think one of them ended up in the NFL. I think played for the Packers, and another one and the others played for the CFL. And he currently has a nephew that is projected to be a prospect in the 2020 NHL draft. Once again, from Canada. Uh, yeah. So that's that's our guy. Um, I can I, say I never heard of him. Yeah, so yeah, I I I went deep on this one. Yeah, uh, I went deep on this one. I'm like, I'm pretty darn sure nobody. Oh, let's see. Currently resides in Matthews, North Carolina, and owns four Bojangles in the Augusta, Georgia region. Smart man. So there you go. Um, so if if you're in Augusta, Georgia, hit up DoorDash. Uh, there, one of those four Bojangles out there is is Tim Biaka Butuka's restaurants and uh, and help the guy out. All right, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so he grew up in Montreal. So I would assume, I would assume he's a Canadiens fan. All right, so that's that's our player to remember. Forget. Uh, do I have another one here? Gosh. Uh, minor league team, blah, blah, Hall of Famer. Man, we've, I, I got, ah, I got through pretty much all of them. All right. Um, oh, uh, topic. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers did something right. <laughs> Andrew, what did they do right? New unis. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I do have a problem with, I do have a slight problem with them. Really? I all do. Right. All right, let's. I'll try and bring them up on the uh, the TV screen here, but uh, go ahead. It's, it's a minor. It's a minor problem, mm-hmm. but I I do not like how cluttered the helmet is with the bolt and the numbers. Okay. 
it's it's a little bit too cluttered. It's either go with the numbers or go with the bolt. Mm-hmm. Personally, I say go with the bolt because I think that looks nicer and it's much more unique. But I think it's a little, a little bit too noisy having both on there. All right. Okay. So uh, for some reason, I can't get it on the freaking TV screen here. All right, let me see if I can uh, work some magic here. Anyways, so yeah, the the law. Lo- gosh darn, the Los Angeles Chargers, not the San Diego Chargers. They should be in San Diego, but that's a whole another discussion. Fuck uh, you, Spanos. Yeah, exactly. That that's that's exactly it. They're going to be renting the Rams Stadium. Anyways, uh, they've been playing in a soccer stadium the last few years. They're going to move into this brand new stadium with the Rams in LA. SoFi Stadium. SoFi Stadium. So get your student loans in check. But <laughs> <laughs> um, as, as as much as they could have botched this, they didn't. They did not. They did not botch this at all. They 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 rebranded slightly, which is good. They rebranded slightly. And they took what was great about pretty much their entire history uh, of uniforms and just went, let's just tweak a couple things, uh, tweak our, our numbers, tweak our, our, our logos just a bit, and put on those fantastic powder blue colors that everybody loves. And, and it worked. It freaking worked. So um, they've got several different uniforms They've got the white one. They got the powder blue one. They've got they've got three different shades of blue, with this set, and I, I mean, I don't know how I feel about three different shades of blue. I, I, I mean, the St. Louis Blues kind of have the the same thing too. I would, I probably that's probably the other team that I could, I could say that has the same color scheme as them with the, with the the blue and yellow. Because the St. Louis Blues have that powder blue uniform, which is fantastic, and I think they should go back to that now that they've won the cup. But they've also got the um, their navy blue set, and they've got this other, like you know, deep or not a little slightly darker than royal blue that looks good too. Their color rush uniforms are this this kind of a little off royal blue. And they've got the Navy uniform, which they wore in the 90s, famously, Junior Seau days. And the dark uniform looks good to me, too. I I mean, I can't find much fault with the set at all. It just works. The one thing that I would say is I hope Mm -hmm. that they fix the... um, I hope they mix the blues, the darker blues, with some of the other pants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's like the whole NFL color rush thing, where there's just like one monochrom—I don't know, monochromatic—but at least one whole set. It. I-, I think I'm like you. I like the contrast of all right, the jersey and then different colored pants to kind of give you a bit of contrast. Maybe the socks will be the same as the as the jersey color, um, but even then, it's not—it's not as awful as other teams. No, they, not at just all. Just because they're the blues that they have are appealing to look at, especially when they're paired with that fantastic yellow color that they have. No, not a doubt. Those are they are amazing uniforms, and 
you know, I, I mean, I'm not one to buy other teams' jerseys. I'm not one to buy jerseys, period. Hmm. But those those are those are jerseys that I would be proud to wear as a player right. or as a fan. I mean, those are just gorgeous. Um, but I think, you know, if you were to add the white pants to either the dark navy or the, the royal blue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, those would look beautiful as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, gosh, this thing is finally cooperating with me with Google, and I can actually show this on the screen. But I – so, I mean, the L.A. – or, yeah, the L.A. Chargers, gosh. They've – as much as we want to say that they they shouldn't be there, but they've never – I don't think the team has ever had a bad uniform. Even their navy uniforms, when they they when everybody was changing to a darker color scheme in the '90s, s- still look good because they didn't really change the rest of the uniform. They just kind of changed the shade of blue. So, it's it's a win for me, man. Especially in this off season that the NFL has had, the Buccaneers are a win. I'll chalk them up as a win because anything different than what they had would have been a win anyways uh yes we wish for the creamsicles but those will probably come in due time actually i'm 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 a hundred percent on board with the 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 bucks did yeah um i'd say the only team that did it better was the was the chargers um if they get rid of the numbers on the helmet the chargers because of how hated their move from san diego was and because they they have a very small fan base in Los Angeles anyways. They really could not mess up this this like, quote unquote rebrand that they right. that they've just done. They really could not mess this up. Nike and and the NFL and the Chargers had to sit down at a table and I guess basically the Chargers had to go, "Nike, don't Nike this up." All right? Don't go crazy with all these elements that you do with the Orkin Ducks and or or what you did to the Buccaneers but prior to this. Don't start doing all these wacky new things that you think are going to be awesome and then 5 years from now are going to be like, "Yeah, let's just go back to what we did <laughs> before Nike came in." True, and, but at the same time, you know, they may not have necessarily Nike'd it up. They could have gone conservative, but these are just gorgeous uniforms, period. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, this is beyond just screwing it up. This is, they made a very vast improvement. It's it's amazing how much the lightning bolt on the pants, it is fantastic. Man, man, uh, Steve Eiserman, look, look at what happens when you have lightning bolts on the pants. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it just makes things look good. When your when your nickname because both the Chargers and the the Lightning have nicknamed Bolts when it's that have lightning bolts on the pants <laughs> as as your striping pattern it just works it works it's gorgeous so it is man it is like the all white is 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 beautiful it's it's such a beautiful thing. Um, the numbers are great. It's not anything like crazy. It's like a kind of slightly italicized modern look. The they didn't like make it all in lightning bolts, which would have looked awful. Um, it 
the powder blue is great. It, it matches everything. It's really the Los Angeles Rams have a lot to live up to right now because they have yet to reveal their new uniforms. So, yeah. And I don't know. I it's mean, it's going to be tough to top that. I, I would, I would as well, have they announced that they'll debut it in the draft? Because I, I would think that they would want their first round draft pick to show off the New Jersey. That's what most teams do. But, and that's probably what the Rams or the Chargers just did now, unveil it now. That way you can see it in person when, well, when they mail it to the their first draft pick, I don't even know how that's gonna work. <laughs> the guy gets well, picked, and then there's like a there's like an Uber guy knocking on the door with a mask and gloves, <laughs> and here's your jersey. I don't know. Well, what's gonna happen is New Era, which is the official hat provider person, right? Um, what they're doing is they shipped all of I think fifty seven yeah. uh, players. Um, they shipped 32 hats to each of them. <laughs> okay, and I guess they can donate the rest. Or what if they get traded and it's just like, uh, okay, I guess I'll wear this one now. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be fun. That's going to be funny, too. All right. Um, yeah, this is this is a fantastic set. That navy blue one, I don't know why, I don't know why but that one really stands out to me that it just works with the set, too. So I, I like, I like all the options that they have with it, like that. I, and, and like, yeah, the 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 blue with the blue, I can see them wearing white with that or the gold pants too. It's not like they can't do that. But um, as far as the number on the helmet is concerned, I mean, what is it? Because it's too much like Alabama, so it's like, ah, you know, you instantly hate it or or what? No, it's it's. I don't know. It's just there's so much going on. One thing I, mean, I, I guess. Yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, I guess it'll I'll, it'll grow on me in times, but. I mean, it's an old school look. It's a throwback. So it is, but I you don't really see like if you look at Alabama, it's just the number. Right. Okay. You don't really see a logo and the number. Okay. Well, I mean, it's unique. That's for sure. Um, that is definitely unique. I mean, the Chargers need all the uniqueness they can get in Los Angeles right now if they're going to get fans. So, all right. Um, another thing I've noticed is there are no numbers on the shoulders. Yeah, apparently a lot of teams are starting to move away from the TV numbers because it's not as necessary. Right. Yeah, at this point, you don't need it. The especially when you have it on the helmet too it's even more uh redundant if you're going to have it on the shoulders it allows but like uh, the, the new patriots mm -hmm. uh uniform uh they don't have it right uh you know it was more necessary back in the pre-hd days when you know if you didn't get a good look at the front or the back of the uniform you would need to see what's on their shoulders right but you don't really need that anymore that's true it also allows them to have better graphics on the shoulders which right. allows for nice shoulder logos of course uh, you can't lose those those bolts on the shoulders either that's th those are iconic and um it, also at this point like you have smart jerseys now too so i mean we saw an example of that in the nhl where they have the tracking chip and you can track the players 
on the jerseys now. It's uh, right. You don't you don't need it anymore. It's true. All right. So big win. Congratulations, L.A. Chargers. You finally did something right after all these years in Los Angeles. So there you go. All right. Um, hmm. So we're getting down to the wire here. Is there any other topics uh, before we, we head off to the cage? I, I got one to lead into it, just out of interest to you guys. Mm. So on ESPN, because we all need something in our life sports-related to watch, and I'm not going to watch it just because I feel like there's enough grandstanding of Michael Jordan, but there has been The Last Dance or whatever it's titled, his right. ESPN show. Uh, the people that I know that have watched it um, have you know, loved it. So he, uh, let me poo poo on Jordan. Then it's going to lead into the question. I want to <laughs> ask you guys that's sports related one. I don't care. We, we know Jordan is great. We knew there was always conflict. There's always going to be conflict there because, um, who was it? For, uh, Foreman, Gus Foreman, right. Was mm. their GM at that time. He was always saying it's gonna blow up. He recently, I believe got relieved, uh, from Chicago in the slew of all the rehirings, but the bulls were sick of paying everybody. They were sick of the Eagles. Phil Jackson was kind of done. And uh, look, the end of the bulls dynasty was probably the best thing to happen to basketball because it created the newer dynasty with the Lakers. Cause Phil went over there, Kobe, Shaq, what have you. And then it led the precedent to other teams right. being competitive. So if we would just want to grandstand on that final, year, first off, 10 episodes is too long. You could do 10 episodes on the Dynasty Bulls, and I'd probably be more invested into it. I'm really just waiting for Phil Jackson, to, because he's so zen. That's why he's a zen master, but he's so zen, but he's also so polite, because he outright won't say someone sucked. So I'm waiting for him in his most candid interview post-Kobe. I think this was an interview before Kobe, so you know he's still there, but just kind of be enraged to be like, like I hated Michael Jordan. He was a spoiled brat. I just want to hear it yeah. <laughs> just because you want a different dynamic because I think everybody got slapped in the face when Jordan retired, quotation marks, finger quotations, because there was, oh, I want to go proceed my passions for baseball because that's what my father wanted to do. And then the other contention was basically, oh, wait, we caught you gambling and we think that you were gambling on the Bulls. We're not going to Pete Rose you, but we're going to mandatory send out. Yeah. I like to, I want investigative journalism on is Michael Jordan really a bad human being versus like, listen, he made Space Jam. So it doesn't really matter to me. He could have shot a guy, but I'm like, but he was with bugs. They fought the Monstars. <laughs> I don't think we need a grandstanding of the last dance because it was pretty simple. Everybody was sick of each other, not yeah. of the game, because Mike went back to Washington and couldn't do it in Washington and died a very bad death the way Tom Brady's going to have. You see how it all comes together? Mm -hmm. Tom Brady's going to have in Tampa. The question I wanted to ask you guys is that if we're going to put our resources into making these documentaries about great dynasty teams and what led to the course of their buildup, their fall, and their, their winnings in between – any sport really what team intrigues you and it doesn't have to be a full-out dynasty like a dynasty itself is what the easy target is because we've seen the certain things like i've seen the 30 for 30 when they send out gretzky um from what was it edmonton or whatever please forgive me i know i'm saying sacrilegious stuff and then they send him out to la or whatever that's but right you got it right yes i know things remember to learn a goof we haven't had in a while but i retain you know this is what this is what we're here <laughs> for educational purposes 
Um, but it, it's always interesting to me because sometimes, like I'll give you an example just to start off, the Kansas City Royals, for me, uh, that two-year period when they went to the World Series, and we know the understandings was that they were cheap and they had to strike now because they had everybody in the farm system. But if you thought about it, if really if they kept the club together and let's say there was a fixed amount of money, uh, what they could have been or because I don't need to be on the Yankees. We know what that's all about. Baseball is a very, very weird sport because it is heavily dominated. I don't think anybody wants to see the same highlights. Or maybe we want to see Tito's last stand over in Boston where Terry Francona was unceremoniously destroyed by all the people who loved him because he let chicken and beer despite the fact they led you to um, two, two World Series championships. I would actually want to watch that. Uh, in a 10 series document of the last dance kind of persona of a big name character mm-hmm. and a, a vision of an organization. I'd love to see a last dance thing of the 2017 through 2019 Astros. Oof. Yeah, that will, we'll, we'll get that t- 10 years from now, probably after all of those guys are, are, are retired or are in the twilight of their careers or stuff like that or at least the guys that played with them who are willing to talk. I'm not even sure. Who knows? Um, let, yeah, man. Well, let, let's see. Which team Which team would I want to know about? I mean, they've already done the Showtime Lakers 30 for 30. I'd um, also like to see something on the 97 and 03 Marlins. Well, the, the I mean, just the Marlins in general, the whole... There was, uh, I mean, SB Nation did a collapse video about... Uh, the the Marlins collapse from '97, and then the the rise a little bit in 2003, but it's of course wouldn't be as in depth. But I would say, the, probably I, I can kind of go with you on that, Andrew. The the '90s the '97 Marlins from when they won until the through the entire '98 year. Um, because that off season and the year in the '98 year, where just basically the entire team is lopped off, mm. one by one, trade after trade, and I've gone back because I've been looking at old All Star games. Uh, the '98 All Star game, the 1998 All Star game, the National League team. That team is enough to make a Marlins fan cry, <laughs> because. It is just one guy after another from that 97 Marlins team. And probably all of them in one, t- like, they wouldn't have all made it on the on the All-Star team if they were on the Marlins that year. But individually, each one of them was good enough to represent their teams. Gary Sheffield was there. Um, I think Charles Johnson was there. Rob Nen was their closer. He was in San Francisco then. Moises Alou. Kevin Brown. Just guy after guy. One you know, after here's another. Here's something crazy. If I were to put together a Marlins alumni team, I, w- oh. I would, I could seriously Ooh. make Ooh. an argument that they would be one of the best alumni teams Ooh. of all time. So, uh, somebody's doing this right now on. I don't know if it's over the top baseball or or like MLB or whatever, but. A simulation of all-time teams versus all-time teams. Of course, the Yankees are going to have a superstar team. 
Right. But they pitted the all-time Braves versus the all-time Marlins, and the all-time Marlins beat the all-time Braves. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, of course. That's perfect for the Braves because the Braves all-time choke when it matters most. So that that actually makes a lot of sense, and the Marlins don't when it matters most, at least when it twice mattered most. Anyways. Uh, I'm honestly for- not surprised by that because if you look at who the Marlins have had, you've got – Gary Sheffield. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess technically Mike Piazza for one week. I, I'm trying but, not. I'm trying not to like just make this a whole Marlins thing because I can go off. But well, I we'll save that for you. next week because I think I we've got nine-ish you. minutes left, and I'd like to get to the cage. I'll say the one thing that I want to know if I wanted uh, a last dance is I want the 1994 baseball season. The mm. entire 94 season. I could watch 10 episodes on that because that 94 season had so much potential. You had Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas, and Matt Williams all on pace to pass 61. You had Tony Gwynn on pace to pass, to have a 400 uh, season, which hasn't been done since Ted Williams. You mm. had the Montreal Expos, who had the best team in baseball, and... It might have been the season that would have saved them in Montreal. Right. Uh, you had the New York Yankees, who had the best record in the American League, and that might have been the, that might have been the early start of the Yankees dynasty as well, or at least the one year Don Mattingly would have had a chance at a championship. So there, there were so many narratives going on there that I want to know in depth from everybody that's you know that's still alive from the Players Association. All those guys that are pretty much a lot of guys are Hall of Famers now uh, that were playing at the time. Um, you know, Tony Gwynn is dead now, so we can't get him. But, you know, just uh, everybody that can still, Bud Selig is still alive. So everybody that you can you can get to expand upon that. So th- that that would be me. That would be it for me. So that's that's it. All right. Um, OK, so let's 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 move on here to the cage. Charles, uh, let, let's go. Let's go. We'll talk about Ron, Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to your weekly Truplex a Cage with Charles. Full disclaimer, as always, wrestling is not fake. It is scripted. It is a dance. It is a ballet. It is poetry in the motion. It is about fighting for respect, fighting for a briefcase that might get you a guaranteed contract, baby, because it is money in the bank season. We're going to start this off with the WWE because – we're going to veer into a couple other concepts with AEW because I know Francisco is going to chime in on that one. But let's talk about WWE and Money in the Bank. What the hell? I, I'm, I'm, that's how I'm starting this. Aside from Black Wednesday, which we're going to follow up with in a second, what the hell? Do you guys know, remember Money in the Bank last year? Six competitors or five competitors, ten competitors, whatever competitors go up. They have ladders. They try to get a briefcase. And on top of the briefcase um, uh-huh. you know, is a guaranteed contract, right? Simple stuff. This year, because of the CV, there's no crowd. And for a match that's purely gimmicks and relying on spots, you want a crowd. Instead, Vince McMahon and his looniness, because I really, wrestling's been kind of leaving me a little bit. It's it's slow seasons. I was like, all right, I'm not going to really watch too much Raw, NXT, SmackDown, not especially after Black Wednesday, because I believe in principles in life, unlike certain multi-billionaires owning wrestling companies. Um, But... But then Vince is like, hey, Charles, remember your your moral authority? I'm like, yeah. 
remember that thing that you didn't want to compromise, which was your soul? Yeah. What if I gave you the money in the bank match? All right, you're already giving me that. What, what's up with that? He's like, what if I gave you the money in the bank match at the WWE headquarters? So, and he says, what if it starts on the first floor? I go, all right, so we're going to have elevator <laughs> fights like The Office? And he goes, and what if they have to go through three floors? I'm like, okay. And what if some of the competitors, because not everybody's announced, so I won't belabor the point because we still got two weeks. But what if for the men's at least, because the women's is to be determined. I got to figure out a sneaky favorite there. I'll give you predictions when predictions come. He says, what if two of the competitors are Daniel Bryan? I'm like, all right, who you love. I know. I think he should always be on my TV wrestling, putting on clinics. And Aleister Black. And I'm like, girl, you tell me <laughs> that there's going to be a segment where there's going to be an elevator fight and everybody's going to be knocked the hell out and these two are going to lock eyes. or pop. And I'm like, yeah, but he's like, what if I also told you that on top of the corporate headquarters is going to be a ring and ladders and a briefcase and these people are going to climb the corporate ladder you, basically you know, to you get know, the briefcase. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, was it that Tomodachi Life uh, stage in Super Smash Brothers? <laughs> Just going I up really, and down. <laughs> And now I went from having a girl moment because then I realized those two are going to be facing off presumably in the actual ring as opposed to beating the hell out of each other in the elevator because we'll get a little bit of it. But I think right now, because this is such a weird money in the bank with its participants and it's not fully declared, that's why I won't talk about each participant yet. That will be for a longer form of the cage. But knowing that I'm going to have on one hand, possibly Alistair Black climbing the corporate ladder and then Daniel Bryan climbing the corporate ladder going against each other to lead to the briefcase. Presumably if Alistair Black wins... Is just what I need. I feel like I'm watching the Boondocks episode of WWE <laughs> Money in the Bank. If you guys have seen the Boondocks yes. and you've seen how they've kind of, do you remember the dodgeball episode uh, when it's like I, Riley and Huey have to um, play dodgeball in their tournament and it becomes like this big anime manga over the top thing with high ferocity, high velocity. I mean, okay, I'm mean, probably if I rewatch it, but yeah. Well, that's the, that's what it feels like. A caricature beyond a caricature that we did not anticipate nor expect. And here we are. And I'm like, damn it, Vince, every time. Because I think I told you guys. Hold on. Hold on. I just want to comment on one thing. So I have, I have in the background NFL 2K3, a simulation game of the Cleveland Browns versus the Baltimore Ravens. And the Browns have been leading the entire game. And they have just given up a touchdown with five minutes left that has put the Ravens ahead 18 to 17 at this moment. And I'm like, oh, my God, this simulation simulates life to the T because that is such a Browns thing to do. Anyways, the UK football series is one of the best. Um, So now I just feel like it's so over the top, over the caricature that my moral spirit is compromised and that this company who I was like, all right, I'm an adult, I'm 30 years old, you don't control me anymore, Vince, has suckered me in. Because I said it last show, typically after WrestleMania season, Vince bungles it. He Fs it up. And how did he F it up on Wednesday? He fired everybody, mm-hmm. like 16 people. Oh, yeah. Mind you, let's be honest, for me as an evaluator of wrestling, the talent released aside from a few names such as Rusev, such as uh, the OC, Aside from those guys, there wasn't really a lot of people bringing to the table. They were just in back catering. And at any other point, aside from a pandemic, it would have made sense. You don't need the Mike Kanellis's. Hell, you don't even really need the Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder's, even though I do like Zack Ryder for, for the entertainment he brings. There were some head scratchers. Like, they got rid of Sarah Logan, Deanna Perrazzo, and 
it's just more like that women's division on Raw and NXT is very thin. So you really shouldn't. I knew Rusev was coming. I'm surprised they didn't fire his wife in real life. Now, mind you, they're under a non-compete. They said there's still money involved. But it was kind of a shady thing to do, considering the fact in the same week, Vince files for bankruptcy for the XFL. And then it turns out that in the documentations, the WWE actually had some B shares, 23% of the company. So they're losing money. So, you know, the board director's like, boy, if we could out, you know, vote you uh, or vote you out as whatever, we're going to do it. So then he's getting rid of all these people because it wasn't just 16 wrestlers. It's the backstage producers. It's the writers. They're furloughed, may come back. Um, they say statistically they're going to save about $4 million a month, but then you find out that they have a net gross of $500 million that they could cover to pay out all the wrestlers and other talents, but it's a business. And I think it's just, I, and I'm trying to figure out what my line is in life because it's kind of like, um, Bud Selig covering up the steroid era, even though he knew about it, but there was some, there was some stuff where it's a David sir knowing what's some dirtiness that's going on here mm-hmm. you got to find a line of what annoys you and if it annoys you what can you do and i was just very bothered because there was also you know vince mcmahon donated money to a certain campaign about 18 million dollars of it of their own personal finance so mm-hmm. it, it just didn't feel right that was like the black wednesday of it so i was like i i'm out man i'm out for a bit it doesn't affect any this is life grow up right but you know i can at least say i will watch the competitor one time and then they have money in the bank and i'm like damn it you you dirty rat you master manipulator you are the true you know you are the true the true g uh to touch on gronk i don't think it's gonna affect the wwe that badly he is the 24 7 champion with the finger quotations in the air but um i think it's gonna drive a lot of casuals there's gonna be that cross brand especially since he plays for an nfc team now so guess what's gonna be on fox who also airs smackdown Mm -hmm. i think it's gonna be a great boon because he doesn't have to get in the ring he just has to be a hype brand and that's what fox wants to do because what do you think they're filling in for new content the bump they're putting in uh backstage they're putting in old best ofs they're putting in old wrestlemanias to fill in that content because even though stuff from years ago it's a new audience unlike so it's like i i have to have nfl channel to watch the old like greatest life football stories or whatever but here if i just turn on fs1 or whatever i can see new wrestling content without having to pay 10 bucks a month because you know, even if you're giving me a 30-day free trial, I don't know where to start, but I remember Edge. I remember Randy. I remember Jeff Hardy. Hell, they're still around, right? I remember Ray Mysterio, who's in the Money in the Bank qualifier. Um, so we have that, and that's kind of what's going on in WWE. So more to be determined, I just hate Vince for compromising morals. Really, the only one that does sting is uh, – really, it sucks for all the wrestlers because if you think WWE, which is the big fish – is going to have a hard time putting on shows. What do you think about the independent companies, the Ring of Honors, Impact, CZW, um, Overseas, New Japan? They're very impacted. Good on them for trying to tell their governmental leaders that they're an essential business. They need some assistance too. Granted, that's not the exact verbatim, but they're trying to take care of their guys instead of firing them. Or AEW and shifting to that, Francisco and Charles watched some wrestling. Charles reached out to Tony Khan on the Twitter saying hey and listen it was a pity plea i understand tony if it's a business you got fired so people hell you're gonna you're, you're but you're holding on to yannick and and Django, whatever his name is over in jacksonville so maybe you'll hold on to some of yannick what i i don't know how to say his name forgive me i couldn't say the other guy's name earlier i can't say his name no 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 he, he might could say ironically their <laughs> defensive end in jacksonville yannick and, and, and just google it Rockway. 
and Jockway, thank you. Um, I, I can barely say my own last name, so I can barely <laughs> say my first name. Andrew, we need to have that segment where you make us like try and pronounce last names. <laughs> I'll work next on it week. for next week. I had next a good week, one maybe. today, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh my God, Tabolsi over there, guy. Yeah, right. But t- not to lose track. So I said, hey, don't fire me. So we watched AEW. Um, it kind of hurt a little bit, and yeah, it hurt. A- there was some stuff I liked, you know, and-, and there were some matches that were interesting. Like their promos are are good because it's unscripted, or if it is scripted, it's lightly scripted. So I like the bubbly bunch with Jericho calling on his boys. Um, you like a little bit of that goofiness, but. Uh, that main event did not deliver. John Moxley, the formerly known as Dean Ambrose, who's the AEW champion, versus J.K. Hager, formerly known as Jack Swagger, who also was a former world champion over WWE. There was a no disqualification or false count anywhere match. The match went about a good 45 minutes, and you can't put something like that, in my opinion, to start off as being technical wrestling, going back to technical wrestling. Hager looked a little bit out of it. I don't really remember him putting on 30-minute matches to begin with in WWE, let alone 15-minute matches. Mox tried. I just don't think they meshed well. And boy, Jake Hager, I mean, I wouldn't fight him in real life. The guy's a Bellator fighter. But um, he was one sweaty caveman, I gotta tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I noticed and, that. Well, uh, we I well we located the venue was uh, that little amphitheater, or whatever. That's literally uh, on the butt end of the uh, the Jaguar Stadium, Everbank Field, or whatever they call it now. Yeah. So we, we at least know. Hey, if you want to pay us to be far away, I'll do it. Hell, listen, because they've been using wrestlers as a crowd. If you gave me a job, five hundred bucks a sit-in i'll do it i'll be the ultimate hype man for all your dudes i'll put AEW on the map baby but it's still like work out the two reasons why that match didn't work for me aside from actually the in-ring style is one it was kind of built up as a blood feud so if this is for a championship i'm not going to try to out wrestle i'm going to try to win so hager like what francisco took 35 minutes just to use a chair yeah that was like towards the end of it and a lot of it tried to get into just pure wrestling and you you know, it was something to see Moxley when, clothesline When him. Uh, they said, like, the battle in the arena or whatever, whatever they, were, they were, the moniker they were giving him, I'm like, oh, okay. And, yeah, look, I'm a noob. So when I when I think of this, I'm thinking, like, I, I, I'm thinking video game terms, all right, with regards to wrestling. Because my, my only connection with wrestling was playing wrestling video games back in the day with, with, with my friend on N64 and GameCube. So... I'm thinking like something akin to that, where it's like you know they 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 had no holds barred. That's what they were saying the entire night. Oh, no holds barred. Like oh man, oh, no holds barred. No, no, you know, no f's given. I don't know, but it's like I'm thinking, all right, something extreme. Super Smash Brothers, just like in the freaking in the arena or whatever, just jumping on top of chairs and trying to get at each other on the railings, like hitting each other and stuff like that. I didn't see any of that. I didn't yeah. see. I was looking for something extreme in that yeah, sense. It, it wasn't. A lot of it was technical wrestling. And it's to show that John Moxley, it, your champion, is a very diverse wrestler. But Jake Hager is not the guy to do that with. There's some talent that you can show that that kind of adaptability, but not Hager. And here's the other thing that didn't make sense to me. Jake Hager is in a faction he's in the group he's in the bubbly bunch as i call him i know that they call himself the inner circle but the bubbly bunch is 10 times better and i implore chris jericho to overtake with that name so there's a twofold issue with that one if i'm in a stable and i know it's no disqualification i know my boy 
is going to have a chance to have the best title at all, I'm going to interfere in that match. And if you're going to put Moxley over as a great champion, you have him go against the odds and not only have to fight Jake Hager, but beat up the guys for interfering to preserve his title and win. That's what you do to make a champion look strong. And they didn't have that at all. I mean, I understand they we want to really keep the limitation of interactions, but one of the, uh, you know, Santana Ortiz became a Sammy Guevara had wrestled earlier that night against a uh, Shug D or whatever his name was. And Jericho, I don't think is there. I think he's just been showing for commentary. So it didn't make sense for me because if we're, if the sports goofs are around hmm. and you know, if, if like we went on ice, right, it was all three of us. It wasn't just Charles, Andrew, or Francisco. If they're like, you gotta get two people. We're showing up. We're going to kind of win some stuff, right? We're going to get some swag. So if the ultimate swag is the AEW heavyweight championship, why would I support my boy? So that's that's the outside. Maybe I'm demanding too much. I don't know. And the other thing is sometimes in factions, there is something called hierarchy. And Chris Jericho was just the all elite wrestling heavyweight champion before he lost it to um, Jake Hager. And I understand the way they portray it. The bubbly bunch is a blood, they're brothers and stuff like that. But mm. the hierarchy matters because should Jericho want that title? Can Jericho even go back for it if his own guy gets it? That's what creates mm. the ascension because you're not splitting the group up, obviously. Now, this is part of it is that there's a lack of a mid-card title for Hager to pursue. And if he was to pursue it, it'd be the same thing as Sammy Guevara, who's chasing that TNT championship. But it doesn't make sense, right? Because the way we perceive this Chris Jericho persona in AEW is that he is the vain rock star that everybody should be glorifying but so would i really want my boy to have that title i can understand him not helping and you could build a storyline on that if you need to down the road and we with evolution the years back when randy orton had been chris benoit for the heavyweight championship and triple h and evolution betrayed randy orton because now he had gotten the prize that triple h wanted and there's even playback in that in the future when batista won the royal rumble the following year and triple h is like go sign this contract to go to the other brand and take that title don't fight me and Batista's like yeah buddy and he's like i'm gonna batista bomb you now because i'm gonna take care of that title some things don't make sense and i believe that wrestling works at its finest when it's simple so if you don't have anybody aside from a match that just didn't match didn't click for me didn't click for francisco the storyline you know if it's no dq let's bring in your boys and also does your main boy want his boy to have the belt that the boy wants? I don't know, man. That's just me. But uh, needless to say, we're going to go back to wrestling. Vince sunker me in. I'll be watching NXT. I'll be watching some clips of SmackDown. AEW, you're still going to get a little bit of my love because I'm investing in you, right? Because I have hope for you. I have hope for you. I have hope that you can actually give me something competitive. You need to find John Moxley a, a proper opponent to really help elevate his title reign. Because, man, you know, if you don't want to pull the trigger on Kenny Omega because he's tag team, I get it. But I'm trying to figure out who is next to help you out. And I understand that uh, you don't want to really do anything. But All In is next month, May 23rd. That's their pay-per-view. It's probably going to go without a live crowd either. But you got to make me invested because now, now is time of the essence. And that's all I got for you guys this week. All right. Okay, so we're we're gonna wrap things up here with our our segment, the real MVP. So uh, Andrew, uh, can you please do the honors? Of course, uh, as always, my my real MVP during the past couple of weeks is the essential workers of the world, your healthcare employees, your doctors, your nurses, uh, employees at restaurants, 
uh, grocery stores, our truckers, our uh, delivery people, uh, people working at shipment stores. I mean, I could go on for a long time with who is essential to us right now, but uh, every single one of them, uh, we love you. We appreciate you for uh, for helping us in a time like this, and we hope that you stay safe and healthy. All right. Yeah, so many of them. Uh, Charles, uh, outside of those people that we always thank, but we, we've got another one that you posted. I did, and it's pretty simple. It's your Lord and Savior. And Our my, Lord and Savior. My, the Miami Marlins Lord and Savior. It's my everyone's former, Lord and Savior. My former past, but the man that you need to follow, <laughs> the real Messiah man, Derek Jeter, because he's foregoing his $5 million salary to pay for the Marlins organization, uh, You know, for the workers who are there who can't be employed now, not the players. I think it's a good step in direction. It seems very selfless. I think it's the right message. Understanding that Jeter is kind of just a – puppet owner in a sense there is a bigger owner in the background but if you're talking about good press good publicity especially since it's in miami which for florida has i i believe i haven't checked the update numbers but i'm gonna go on and guess here still the highest rates of the cv kicking around um or dade county maybe Broward has come into it let's not depress ourselves by looking at statistics and numbers i'm just going off what i remember reading but it's still a nice message and you know guys this is gonna be around for a while contrary to certain governors in different states want to yeah. reopen everything and go from there because it, it's it, something's going to happen i you know how i feel about the sport industry you know i don't even think baseball should be open so that's just me unless you're going to come back in july with a plan but who cares right let's worry about that when we get there but if you're going to have a high-end executive kind of make that that sacrifice fall for the people who work under because it's all the same organization right from the bottom up top down they all work for the same people Mm -hmm. uh, the same owner and also helping out the people themselves so it's to help out because there's some people who are truly dependent on that job and as the numbers rise unemployment people get fired everybody there's gonna be many hungry dogs fighting for one bone so them doing this to help out i think is a very outstanding move and you know jeter you know, for what it's worth not that you care not even that the viewers probably care because we're glorifying a sports executive who was a former greatest player maybe one of the greatest yankees of all time if not the greatest yankee of all time probably is i would say so myself being biased but good on you you're the real mvp in the sports world for actually doing something constructive as opposed to releasing 16 wrestlers uh during a pandemic but whatever vince can do what he wants all righty okay well, uh, anybody else before we go? Nah. I'm good. All right, we're good to go. So let's let's end it all. Thank you for for everybody joining us today. And uh, NFL draft happens this Friday. I might do a watch live stream reaction uh, just for the heck of it because what else are we going to do? Um, even though I, I never really watched the draft anyways. But I do have some investment this year, so I might as well. Uh, We'll have a Marlins versus Mets. If you want to join me for a very long Players Remember to Forget, there's plenty of them that we'll be doing for All-Star Baseball 2003. So if you like old GameCube games, come on and join me this Thursday. And that's it. So I'm out. We're done. Adios. Have a good night, everyone. You guys want to see a good Money in the Bank match? Watch the one that Dean Ambrose won. I think it was 2017. Have fun. Have a good night. <laughs>